0: I'm Rafi,
1: I'm Paul, and I'm Dale.
0: Find your passion,
1: find direction, and have some fun here at Homemade Getaways, the podcast.
0: Hello, welcome to Homemade Getaways, the podcast. Today we have another special guest, a follower of Christ, and a father of five our guest works to liberate the marginalized and has worked in an NGO that empowers women, children, and schools by establishing household food security. His wife runs Empowered Girls Africa, a program that helps ten- Tanzanian girls achieve their dreams. He is currently the East Africa Regional representation, resp- sorry, Representative for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, supporting relationships between churches in America and East Africa, granting management, working with missionaries, and helping churches here in East Africa in their humanitarian and disaster response schools. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tita Daudi Mesima. Did I pronounce that correct?
2: Yeah, it, it's very close,
0: I'm Sam. Oh,
1: alright. Ah, okay. <laughs> Hi Tito Dowdy.
0: Hello. How it's are nice you, to be with you?
2: Hi. Hi. Thank you Sema. for having
0: me.
1: Yeah, thank you also for Thank you for agreeing. accepting. Yeah, for
0: accepting. Uh this podcast is really free free flowing. We're just gonna ask you a, a couple of questions and all that. And then just shoot your answers. Well, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, to warm things up, let's do the fast talk section. So Tito Dalvi, we're going to ask you this or that questions and the goal is to answer as many questions as you can under one minute. So you just have to choose between, you know, for example, choose between a cat or a dog.
0: Okay, I'll set the timer for one minute. One minute. One minute starting now. Dog or cat? Elephant. Just
2: kidding.
0: (laughs) Cat. Okay, Netflix or YouTube?
2: YouTube. Okay. Phone call or text? Call. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, iOS or
0: Android Android Toast or eggs Both Okay,
2: (laughs) eggs
1: Eggs. Ice cream cone or snow
2: cone Ice
0: cream
1: Jogging or hiking
0: Hiking Uh, Cardio or weights Cardio
1: Sneakers or sandals?
2: Sneakers these days.
0: Blue or red? Oh,
2: maybe blue.
0: All right, and that's it for the fast talk. (laughs) This is usually a guest favorite for us, really. (laughs)
2: have a, a kind of a challenge within it, which is Ooh. that a lot of time in life, people give us choices like the way that was presented, this or that, as if those are the only choices. And so yeah. I don't yeah. mean to philosophize on, on the game because it was fun and you even <laughs> got me to think. Yeah. But like, usually when there's two options presented to you to choose from, there's another option that they either they haven't thought of, or they're trying to steer you in, in a direction. And uh, even another another way of thinking about it is, we have this idea, uh, this kind of binary idea, hmm. where like things are either one thing or the opposite.
0: It's either black or and, white. But then it's it's really a spectrum in reality, right?
2: Yeah. I like to think of life that way. Mm. And I like to think of problems and questions the same way. So even though you made it very simple, it's multiple choice where you have two choices. For me, I was thinking like what about what about the third choice? <laughs> <laughs> or what about yeah. both choices or neither?
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean
1: there's a fallacy for that. Something called false dilemma or yeah. similar, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean that's
0: interesting. We could make you choose between pancakes or waffles, but what if you like French toast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh So, so your yeah. game
0: was
2: fun, but it got me thinking about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so um seeing like how um this is how we're going to discuss things. I'm already excited for the questions. So we're going to talk about Africa and service, a passion for service, and community engagement. So um, we'll just be asking you some questions on these. So is it all right?
2: Of course. Okay.
1: Dr. Dowdy, I assume that the Africa we see as tourists is very different from the Africa you live in. Can you please tell us more about the world beyond the tourist sites and the safaris?
2: Ah, that's a great question. So, one of the things that people who haven't spent much time in Africa might think is they might think of Africa in a single way or or that they might have a single narrative to put it in in different terms they might have a single narrative about how they see Africa and Africans but in fact Africa is very diverse in so many ways like thousands of languages and so many different uh, ethnic groups this country alone has 120 something tribes and each of them have their own histories and cultures and people who grew up in them have different ways of of looking at the world Mm -mm. and then there's also rural and urban and that in-between zone so people who live in remote places might have a different way of of living and, and seeing life compared to those of us like myself who live in town and then there's rich people, and poor people, and everything in between. So I think that's one of the main things that a, a tourist who's only around for a few days um, might miss, is the, the diversity. And that's just the people. Like Even beyond the people, there's the land the places, most of the places where I've worked, where we've had our our offices in in East Africa are at kind of higher elevations. Mm -hmm. So it can be chilly and people might be thinking of Africa. There's this stereotype of this hot, steamy jungle. (laughs) And like today, right now, it's probably about 18 degrees night it gets
1: kind
2: of cold so there's lots of different um, realities compared to stereotypes
0: yeah i wish we could have 18 degrees each night here in the philippines
1: Mm -hmm. yes yes um unlike there probably the weather doesn't change as much here it's not as drastic but yeah You know, knowing about that diversity is actually making me more interested in, you know, probably someday I'd want to go to Africa then. And probably not just once, you know, because you can't experience everything at once.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember being a small child and time was, time, like, one day was such a long time and the clock would seem to go really slowly and I thought that there is time in life for uh, like knowing everything and now time seems to be going so fast and I feel like I can't even get even one tenth of one percent of what there is to know about any place. So uh, I share that same kind of curiosity with you
1: okay. Uh, for our next question, we would like to ask you, um, How you, how is your community or Tanzania as a whole coping with the pandemic? How does your culture affect the way that you respond to it?
2: OK. The, the first question, briefly, is that for the first one year of the pandemic, we had a president who was in denial and he okay. made denial his policy. So we weren't allowed to like publish anything, even on Facebook, recognizing that there is a pandemic. Um, wearing masks or taking those basic precautions was politicized. And government people were afraid to, to show that they recognize there's a pandemic going on. And while that was happening, of course, we're seeing a lot of people in our communities getting sick. So that was really hard, Um, like living in a reality different from what the government wants us to recognize. And of course, a lot of people were taking the the government's side on that. And then the president died in March. And the vice president, she Following the constitutional order, she became president, and she appointed a commission to look into the issue of the pandemic, uh, of COVID-19, and it came back with its reports, and the reports are the recommendations are being, um, they're they're being used, so we're seeing right now that there are very few cases in the hospitals. We feel like we're kind of between waves but we're seeing more caution even just before i came to this I, I went to a government office and they're requiring masks which in the recent past wearing a mask would have been frowned on looked down on so there's changes regarding the cultural question which is kind of the more interesting one um one thing that i mentioned about the diversity of Africans, but there are some things that are kind of universal, and one of them is hope. And even when it seems illogical or irrational, um, in general, there's a lot of hopefulness for tomorrow um, in the different cultures here. So, um, I felt like in the world, especially last year, there was so much despair. And um, I didn't feel that same sense of despair here, even when people were dying. Um, So many people were were being buried. I still didn't feel that same sense of despair. And I think it's because of that um, kind of uh, ingrained hopefulness
1: I'm so glad that your government was able to um, respond proper properly later on, and also that the African people had hope. So yeah, it's very important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think one of the main takeaways here is really about hope and how there's really hope for the future. There's always a tomorrow, right?
1: Okay. Um. Tito uh, Daudi, what type of community are you working
2: with? Right now, I'm I'm working with the church, and so we're working with uh, church communities in East Africa. And mm-hmm. a lot of the um, a lot of the emphasis in my position is working with church leadership but we also have programs that are kind of focusing in the grassroots level too so they're a mix of urban and rural communities and poor communities and not so poor communities there's a, a really great mix
1: oh okay thank you so much tito Daldi, for those answers from africa and your community to service so how would you define service especially in the context of your work
2: Mm, that's also a great question pal i think service is a response to the love that is in your heart it's it's the the action that comes out of love and it takes so many different shapes. Um, I happen to be in a career that's built around service, but it can service is for everyone. the The same service that leads uh, maybe a child to help his mother or her mother in the kitchen, or help his mother or father wherever whatever kind of chores or tasks, that's service. And it's the same spirit that is in communities when communities come together to, to serve people, um, other people in their communities or beyond. It's the same spirit that, that we see even on a global scale.
1: Oh, wow, that was beautiful. Okay, onto the next question. So, um, Tito Daudi, we heard that you have degrees in history and journalism. So how did you go from journalism to doing social work and community development?
2: Um, I don't know, really. We, we'll just say that it's a miracle. <laughs> um, I was working in newspapers and... Even then, I think my, my underlying idea for why I wanted to be a journalist was still rooted in the same idea. I thought that if young people, if the news were, were speaking to young people and could make the, the issues relevant to young people, that young people would be more engaged in their democracy and in their civic spaces. And from that engagement, they would improve democracy and they would improve their society. So I had that kind of idealistic look at at journalism. That's why I wanted to be a journalist. But um, along the way, I got these opportunities to serve more directly. And I loved it. And so I started seeking them out. And while I was working at a newspaper, there's an American organization that saw me and um, they offered me the opportunity to help them to grow in East Africa. And so I took that very, very joyfully. And so from that, they were focused on, on food distributions and I was able to help them to contextualize what another way to approach food security um, that's less focused on distribution and more on uh, empowerment.
1: Nice. Okay. And now the third question. Um, In what ways does the community need your help?
2: this one, this question is also a great question, but it's, it's made on an assumption that the community needs my help. And I would say that it works the other way that me as an individual, I need the community's help equally so or more so than they need my help. One of the the newer ways of thinking about community development isn't about how you can help the community but it's about how you can strengthen the community to rely on each other or to like find the boost that they need from within rather than relying on external support
1: well that's actually true
2: have have you seen that too in your own Um, lives?
1: no because um, so our Nina, um, she told me once that the goal of, co- of community development is to help them stand by themselves. And I, one
0: song, and I think one song actually comes to mind because we had a subject called, or I had a subject called uh, Community Engagement, Solidarity and Citizenship, and then in one of our sessions, my teacher actually played "Lean On Me," so I think, yeah, I I totally agree that um, it's a two-way thing. Uh, even though um, you're trying to help the community, they also need to um, they need to be accepting, right?
2: Yeah, and it, like. The, the way I need the community, one is to learn, and I learned so much and continue to learn so much from communities that we're working with and have worked with in the past. There's a, one of the activities that we had was, was uh, forming groups of women who were, before they were destitute, but then they come together as a group, they're taught about entrepreneurship and how to use the assets that they have or the resources that they have. And then they make a kind of like a credit union, like a little bank amongst themselves. And so in those days, I joined one of these groups. And I'm still part of the group. And for sure, um, I, I get to learn from them, like about, the way that they structure their lives, about some of the decisions that they would make when, like, for me, if you've never had nothing, you might not have a good understanding of the decision-making progress, or the choices that have to be made when resources are almost none, or sometimes when they're indeed none. So getting to learn about those kind of ways of looking at problems and ways of looking at the world, it really makes me, me better. It makes me more full and more understanding also. In America, there are people who um, don't understand uh, kind of why people who are poor would spend money on fun things. Like they might say, oh, you're poor, so why do you have an iPhone? Or you're poor, so why do you like go to the movies? Shouldn't you save your money and spend it on more meaningful things? And maybe that's true in the Philippines too and and other countries. It is true. But those kind of questions, if they're not coming from a place of love then they're they're coming to, they're coming from a, a place of judgment and so i need people around me of all different kinds who can help me to not be in judgment but to try to grow in an understanding and for sure there's reasons for people to to make decisions like that like if you work really hard Going to the movies might be like a kind of stress relief, even if the tickets are kind of expensive. Yeah, so it, it might be like like medicine. I don't. I mean, that's that's one of the possibilities, and you can't know until you you ask, either you experience it or you ask out of a place of love instead of judgment.
1: That's such a great insight. Okay, um, final question for service. Is it okay if you describe the contributions that the NGOs you've worked with have made? Um, Like, what did they focus on in community development?
2: This is a very, very broad question. Um, They focused on so many different things. In my previous a job we were focused mostly on household level food security and so we tried to organize the activities and thus the accomplishments we tried to organize them around that idea so formation of women's groups um training and entrepreneurship and agricultural methods that you can use to increase productivity. Those kind, those were some of the uh, accomplishments. Others were helping schools to have means of, of raising income so that they could have lunch programs. Um, here in this country, most schools don't have, uh, unless they're boarding schools, most schools don't have lunch programs. There are other other things that we saw which are like where I am now we have a lot of emphasis on disaster response and and prevention maybe resilience is a better word because sometimes you don't prevent the disaster but you can make it so that you bounce back from it when it happens you can recover better And so we've seen a lot of very amazing things come out of that. There's been um, programs that are dedicated to boost the church, and I'm working with the Lutheran Church, so so we're especially um, close to our Lutheran Church partners in East Africa. But also there's been ecumenical work, which means working across different denominations within Christianity, and also interfaith work, which means working with other faiths, such as, as Muslims and uh, mostly Muslims. In, in East Africa, we don't have so many people who are neither Christian nor Muslim. Those are some of our accomplishments.
0: I love it. There's a lot of solidarity in your work. I mean, usually you would see Christian and Muslim, and people would see them as complete opposites sometimes. But then, really, if we uh, take away religion from the picture, you're basically just um, helping human souls. So or human people, human human beings and isn't that what God re- ultimately wants us to do? Spread the good news spread um, help our neighbor love thy neighbor, there you go
2: mm.
0: yeah so I really yeah. it's very inspiring that uh, no matter what um, religion there is, or no matter what Um, denomination of Christian you are or whatever religion you are uh, we could just see each other as people we don't see oh he's a Muslim or oh he's uh, Catholic or oh he's he's Christian, she's Christian or oh he's Jewish it's very inspiring to see that the border of religion is not really a problem for you.
2: One of the things that we that we see through history is that so much of history is about people drawing lines and separating us versus them or making walls or making borders and dividing and one of the things that we believe is that christ came and erased all of those lines and paul talks about this a bit in the in the bible about there's there the lines are erased so when you're talking about one oneness that's that's where our idea of service comes into play that it can't just be for one group but we're all children of God
0: Yeah, that's really an inspiring thing to really help others Our last um, set of questions would be for community engagement so it's mainly how you do your work how um, does a community action take place how do you actually serve these communities so my first question for you is uh, how do you start a community engagement especially now with a protocol maybe
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know how to answer that question very well, to be honest with you, regarding protocols and and physical distancing and things like that. Maybe I can talk more generally though, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's okay.
2: And I want to talk specifically about young people in this because like through school or or in your neighborhood or wherever, young people have very big networks. Like if you just zoom out, like go two or three degrees of separation, like you find that if you look at all the circle of all the people you know and all the people that your your contacts know, you know, so you have a very huge group in your network. And so that's an opportunity to mobilize if there is a topic that you're passionate about then it's it's looking for the opportunities to share that with other people then two things can happen one they can have more awareness of the of whatever the issue is and two through their own perspective their own ex- the experience of their lives they can give you another perspective of looking at the issue that maybe you hadn't thought of. And so in in the process of sharing it, you do it in dialogue and that dialogue helps you to refine or improve um, the thing that you're you're passionate about. For me, one of the things I'm, I'm very passionate about is helping people see the things that are oppressing them, and then figure out how to do something about them. And that's in, in my own kind of uh, lingo, that's my idea of, of liberation. So I can I can go and tell people this is what you need to do to be free of your oppression. But that's so incomplete because one, I don't know what's oppressing them two even if I know what, what is oppressing them the things that I would use to um, to help get out from that kind of oppression might not work in their situation and three if I'm prescribing the medicine for them then I'm not gaining anything I'm not learning anything in the process because there's a dialogue so, Um, For community engagement, find your network, find your passion, find your network and then use those things to, to grow and to learn and then to make that thing matter in the lives of other people. Regarding the oppression, a lot of people... Don't even know that they're oppressed. That there that there are systems around them that are holding them down. My father is a member. He was in a in an ethnic group called Maasai. It's a it's a tribe. It's a big tribe in Kenya and Tanzania. And there are so many great and amazing things about Maasai people, and they have strong sense of identity and ties to culture and um being proud of who they are and where they come from and very communal way of living um a lot of democratic space especially for men but there's a lot of space in the way that they handle conflicts there's so many great things but one of the things that is not great is that it's a very patriarchal system, and so women are regarded very low, lowly. Girls grow up knowing, nobody has to tell them this, you just automatically know it as you're growing up, girls grow up knowing that their place in the world is at the bottom, even below the cows. So. When you grow up knowing that, it has a big effect on your self-esteem, and you need you need awareness of different ways of thinking about the world. Awareness of that the system is affecting your the system of patriarchy is affecting your own ability to have good self-esteem and to have confidence and to thrive. Once you become aware of that, then you. You can start taking steps against it and once you do then you're able to thrive more yeah that that awareness really matters awareness though can't be everything the next step is action and in community engagement you can have lots of knowledge you can have the you can write the best books and papers but action is the next needed step and you do that once you have the knowledge and understanding. So how do you take action and how do you make it happen in the most effective way possible? And you can do that through advocacy. You can do that through appealing to those who have power to show them like, we have this idea and it can be so great for so many people. You can you can. Um, advocate to the masses, you can try to start a movement, get lots of people behind you, use flyers, use radio, or or Facebook, or whatever means you have available. There's so many different ways you can take action according to the, the situation. I feel like I'm preaching. I'm, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's okay. And I feel like community action is more of a two-way thing. Of course, you would have to initiate it, but then you need to uh, have um, the people respond to it, right?
2: Yeah. It it needs to be dialogue. And wherever... Dialogue is like one of those central things in life, even in the classroom, even in your relationships, that two-way
0: This about things is really important. Okay, I'll uh, deviate from the script a bit because um, I know it's kind of hard to uh, engage right now given the health protocols and be kind of hinted at how hard it is. So I'm going to ask uh, maybe two more questions. Uh, What were the steps taken in order for a large... Scale project, like um, let's assume that it's not pandemic right now. So let's say a feeding program. What are the steps needed to uh, make this uh, big event possible?
2: In your example of a feeding program, let's let's say a lunch program at a school. The the first step is building relationship with the people who are there. Um, you don't want to just do an activity just for the sake of doing it, but relationship really. And then the second is assessment where you go and ask questions. And I, I prefer doing it in a structured way, but even the unstructured, you can just go and learn about the problems that are there. And then the third is reflecting on your on your assessment so that you can design the program in the best way possible. Then you try something out, like if you want to have a, a lunch program at a school um, and you've taken those steps and you've designed the program, then do it. But don't do it when you've cemented in your mind that this is the, the way we're going to do it because you're you're still in the learning phase so once you're doing it you're monitoring it you're paying attention you're asking questions not just of the leaders but even the students how how is the food asking the parents what differences have you been seeing at home those kind of things so you're you're learning and then you reflect on your learning so that you can improve the the program once the program has run its course then you evaluate and look for money to keep it going or if it's done it's if it's already accomplished its intended goals then take your learning and apply it somewhere else all right that's kind of the
0: the cycle actually i i kind of studied this um when i was back in like school we're in summer right now but one of my subjects we studied this and i want to clarify with you um it says here we have certain there's supposed to be certain ingredients for a community action so i just wanna run these through with you so according to my teacher or my class there has to be a common context or a familiar setting a common experience, a sense of unity, common understanding of an issue, how the people look at at an issue, Uh, common analysis may strengthen community community bonds, Uh, an acceptable standard, and an action that is acceptable to the community. So running those, are these the same standards you kind of employ uh using or doing your community actions
2: yeah that's in the framework is identical um and the the way that those points from your teacher are ordered they're centered around relationship and unity like you can't you can and it happens very often that um ngos especially even some others can go and unilaterally impose solutions without taking the steps that the the considerations that you've listed and when they do that they might be successful in accomplishing their goal but their goal might be too narrow um they they they, miss out on lots of opportunities to build community and build unity there are so there's so much brokenness in communities and sometimes you can have a well-intentioned program go to some village or some community somewhere and complete a, a program and do it do it well implement it well but what they've left behind isn't any more like they haven't increased the unity in the community, or they they haven't built relationship, or they haven't built a common understanding of, of problems. So they, they finish their goal, their objectives, they pat themselves on the back, and they go. But they're not living up to their own potential when they do that. The things you listed are very important.
0: All right. and. This is going to be my final question for you, Tito Daudi. And uh, this is one thing I just came up with uh, in my head like a few minutes ago. Um, we're talking about a uh, regional community, a geographical community here. But then let's look at the global community now. Because one of the main social problems right now is. Uh, racism, and then, like you said, there's a lot of walls being put up uh, using religion and all that. So I want to know, or these are like two questions. Can you define what solidarity is, and how is solidarity important, especially right now um, as a global community? Okay.
2: Solidarity. My understanding of that word is that it's it's like um, it comes from solid. Solid is a single thing. So to be in solidarity with some with others is to be together as a single unit. In this moment, I feel like in this moment in history, I feel. In a lot of ways, that there's the opposite of solidarity. There's disunity. Um, there's factionalism. And this is true in politics and in society and in the different wars that we're seeing in in, in so many places in Yemen and Syria and Ethiopia and. Myanmar, wherever else, like the, there's a lack of solidarity in a lot of ways. Sometimes solidarity can be um, deceptive. Maybe I have so much solidarity for my people who are like me, and it makes me see others who are not like me as the enemy and then i'm comfortable with fighting them or hating them so like solidarity doesn't mean it, it can mean nationalism i guess it can mean it can mean things that put people against each other the kind of solidarity that i really wish to see those the one where we stand together with people who are not like us with people who maybe are our historical enemies or like those we've got reasons to have beef with for one reason or another but we can overcome that and still stand together that's that's a, a very moving kind of solidarity oh
1: that's very yeah um... Up now. So, is there um, a final message you would like to give to our audience? Mainly the youth, actually, who probably want to serve, want to make a difference, but don't know where to start yet?
2: Yeah. Um, could I ask a question first? Do we um, have time? Sure,
0: sure. What,
2: what's something that you're passionate about? Or maybe, pal? if you're if you're hearing Uh, is there something that you're passionate about um
1: so right now i'm quite quite passionate about um seeing how books affect the way i think so far um i've just encountered many plenty of books that have changed my perspective and have impacted me in ways that were new to me so oh, yeah,
2: that's what I'm passionate about. That's awesome. Are there a lot of young people who share that passion?
1: Um, I think there are out there. People do, do book clubs, I guess, but I haven't explored it that much.
2: When it comes to your question, uh, Rafi, I'm hearing Pal's answer and I'm thinking like there's so many different ways to take your passion and make it matter and already Pal is doing that in her own life, she's using books and opening her her soul to be affected by the things that she's reading And, and There's ways to to take your passion and make it matter in your own life. You can make it matter in your, your future life, like doing things now that you're passionate about, hoping that it's going to build you up for the future. Or you can make it matter in the lives of other people. And all of those things are good. I think there's an expectation sometimes that young people can't do much to just focus on school or just focus on your your family needs or whatever. But there's so many opportunities also for young people to be um, taking their passions and letting them shape their own lives and hopefully ultimately shape their futures and the futures of other people. So that's kind of encouragement to like go for it try something find other people who are interested in the same kind of things and join join hands sometimes you might think that you need to wait uh, like I'm I really want to serve whatever community Um, you might think you need to wait until you have lots of money no you can find small ways to do it within your means and in the while you're doing that you your passion grows, you learn, and your capacity for fundraising also can grow. So my parting words are, are go for it and make sure that as you're doing it, you're doing so in a way that's helping people to be free. Pal's Pal, none of us are born with in with much knowledge. So as you're, as you're um, growing, you're learning and you're getting rid of the oppression of your own ignorance that we have from being born knowing nothing. So you're, you're coming out of that, um, that oppression on your own using books, that's beautiful. and hope that you share the, the things you're learning with me and with other people too. Let me also say thank you so much for having me. I really uh, enjoyed your questions. Your questions are brilliant and they show that you have brilliance. So um, thank
0: you so much. Thank you so, thank much, you so much. Yeah, we
1: learned so much and uh it really caused us to challenge what we used to think about um, helping other people, about serving, and about what to do with our passion, especially once we found it. We actually have an episode about finding our passion, right? So yes. So that about uh, what do you do once you found it. Yeah, thank you so much for that.
2: You're welcome. And I didn't even get to talk about how much I love the Philippines. I got to work there and visit so many times, and when I'm in the Philippines, the the way that people are so hospitable and delicious food, caring, it reminds me of, of home here in Tanzania. So I feel so much
0: at home when I'm in your country.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. So I guess we could say see you next time. Thank you, Tito Daudi, again, once again, for that really thought-provoking conversation here on Homemade Getaways, the podcast.